Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Flight of the Knicks, where we talk all things uh, Wellington Phoenix Football Club. We talk about football in general. Um, so welcome back to the team. So I'm Jonathan. In the chat tonight, we've got Denise from Topol, Alex down there in Wellington, and Holly, who's over in the sunny east coast of Australia. Are you in Sydney, or are, you, are we... Yep, back from, on, back on, from on, Brisbane now? Yep, no, back from Brisbane on uh, Gatlinburg land in Sydney. Fantastic. Cool. So we've got two two matches that happened over the weekend. We're going to have a, a chat about. Plus, there's been a whole bunch of updates that have come out of the A-League. But we'll start first with the Wellington Phoenix woman who played Melbourne City. And it was, at, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just ruin all the tension now. We lost 2-1 we being the Wellington Phoenix. So there's a spoiler alert. Um, Holly, what did you see in the match? What were your highlights? What were, you know, some talking points? I mean, it's a, it's another away match where we've failed. I, I think, I mean, Melbourne City are the runaway league leaders at the moment. I think if we're going to have a narrow loss to anybody, it's probably to City, but it's still... Um, it's still unfortunate. It looked like we decided to come out very defensively in the first half. So the tactical decision must have been to go, we sit back, we defend uh, for as long as we can, see if we can hold them off. Um, because I believe that's basically what Wanderers did last time they played. Uh, unfortunately, as soon as Policina scored, we had to come out of our shell. And we actually played quite well when we came out of our shell, I thought. I think that's the first time I'd seen a low block all season kind of real sort of protect the fortress sort of way of playing. Um, I mean, it's not the the fun way I like to see him play, but, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to win. And um, it didn't look bad. Yeah, yeah, I think the low blocks kind of did work. We did keep them out out of kind of our six yard box for a while. And I think we did frustrate them through the first half, you know, highlighted by, you know, Mariana Speckmeyer and Eckert from City. They had a wee, a wee bit of a shoving, a shoving fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, we were, we were playing deep. We were defending our box really well. One of the, um, and to build on that, Alex, one of the interesting things was all of the, from what I could see, the shots that City got away in that first half, most of them were not all that dangerous. Like they were taking shots, but Riley Foster and our goal, I don't remember her being overly troubled, whereas the second half was a different story. They had um, four shots in the first half. We had none, uh, but they had four shots. Uh, one off target, one on target, and two were blocked. So I, I think mm. that goes to say um, how well we were defending. But uh, we survived the first half, but in the second half, that uh, that changed. <laughs> so we don't know what was said at halftime in the sheds, um, but both teams came out with some fire in their belly, and they, both teams were determined to get a win. We saw... Um, so Melbourne City scored first, and that was a pretty nice goal. Um, and then Melbourne went on and had multiple, actually had multiple chances in the second half, and the Phoenix did too. But 
it was City who managed to get their two in the net and we got one. Alex, your thoughts? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun second half. I mean, that was, it was a little bit more wide open. It, it just felt like the switch went on. I think, you know, particularly after the Phoenix went down a goal, it was like, okay, let's do this. You know, let's change a little bit tactics here and um, try and get back into our sort of um, passing rhythm. To a, I mean, to go back to stats, yeah, again, I... the first half ball possession, City had 76% and we had 24. Second half ball position was 55 and 45. So that's how much we came out of our shelves and we're like, okay, we're actually going to make an effort to that. And one of the, I think we made some subs that helped. Uh, we did give the player of the match award to Zoe McMeekin. She only got about 30 minutes, but I think she was the energy that perhaps maybe even pushed us to the goal that we scored in the 78th minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we still And yeah, when Zoe came on and she... Okay. Oh, sorry. I think we're still at okay-ish defensive shape in, you know, the second half. Like, our goals, they weren't... They weren't kind of... I, I don't know if they, I want to say they, were good, they weren't good goals, but, you know, they were kind of mistakes for us, you know... The first goal in particular, Grosso beats one player, I think it was Grosso, and then that means one player has to come out to push her, and then one player has to cover that player, one player has to cover that player. So it's kind of like a cascading dominoes effect, I guess you could say. And we weren't dropping into cover, right? Like I felt like I saw Grosso um, actually quite a few times. They were driving to the line sort of along the edge of the six-yard box and then playing cutbacks. And when the player would drive along the line and beat our players, the, the players that were beaten didn't seem to make enough of a fast effort to get back in and help defend again. Maybe that was just my sense, and I'm, I'm wrong about that, but that was frustrating to see. At one point, Grosso tore through us, and there were like four players jogging in her wake while she ran at goal. Do you think there's a theme there? Like, is it just fatigue? Uh, like, Or is it emotional you know, fire or, you know, or just just a, a moment of, of like we've been playing defense so much that you just kind of like lose it a little bit. I mean, Holly, what position do you play? I, I have played every outfield position. Um, I just look at and I'm not a great player. Uh, and I'm not particularly fit, but th these are professionals. And, and to me, it just seemed like a lack of discipline to do that. Um, but again, I can't say that I could go out and do a better job personally because I don't have the skill or the time or any of those things. Um, so I, I don't know whether that's a, a one-off problem or a problem that maybe needs to be someone to get stuck into. I, maybe I'm the only person who's noticed it. I. Um, I do think it's a recurring theme, though, and we saw it the week before, and that was, like, there just seems to be a little bit of misunderstanding about where Kate Taylor's positioning is, because Kate's playing in front of the defensive line, so you've got the back four, then we've got, she's kind of this defensive midfielder, and then alongside her, kind of in front of her, is Longo, and for whatever reason, uh, and there just seems to be a lack of understanding or chemistry between the players about where 
where they're meant to be um, at a given point of time. And as Alex, you know, it's that cascading effect um, with with the players. Um, fitness, possibly. I mean, it, it did look pretty hot out there. Um, but then on the, uh, the other side of the the other side of the story was Wilkie absolutely missing a sitter from six inches. Oh, sorry a couple of feet in front of the goal. All she, if any player had got any part of their body to the ball, they could have got it in. And Wilkinson was the one person who, yes, she was falling a little bit awkwardly, but managed to get the ball to hit the top crossbar and go miles away from the goal. So if that had gone in and some, city, some of City's other opportunities, it could, the, the scoreline could have been way worse. So I think we, our man, we managed to hold on and keep it respectable. God bless her, but you can't even like do that intentionally. <laughs> I feel like that was, that was really hard to pull off. Like if, if you wanted to kick it over the goal, I mean, nine times out of 10, actually 99 times out of 100, that would have gone in the net. So that, that was like... That, was that like, must have uh, been an XG of like 0.99. Like, <laughs> that surely. I mean, look, I mean, we've all, again, I mean, for those of us who have played, we've all had like horror open goal misses or silly mistakes like that. Um, but, yeah, he, she, she does tend to do it uh, more often than we'd like as uh, as Football Ferns fans, but it is what it is. It, it, paid, it turned out right for us because she was playing against us. On the other hand, yeah, she yeah. got, you know, body parts on balls. You know, some people can't even get there to get to the ball to do that. Any other thoughts just, on them? Um, yeah, just doubling back to what you were saying, um, Holly, about Zoe. I was watching a re like the highlights in a replay this afternoon, and Zoe, when she came on, her and Cox made a really dynamic little little uh, partnership down that, down that left side. And there was one point where McMeekin... Um, the, you know, she she had possession. She went for a run. The ball got taken off her. She won it back, and then she put this beautiful little slide pass right into Cox's path with a clear shot on goal. But yeah, the city keeper was up to it. But there was those are those little bits of magic and chemistry. Like we were, we had them at the beginning of the season that kind of dissipated, but now they're starting to come back into our game. And if we can get more of those moments of chemistry and magic, I think we. You know, like we said, we're only one win away from being number five on the table. So there's plenty to be optimistic about. Maybe one of the talking points is the fact that Macy Fraser didn't play. Uh, she was rested. Um, not quite sure what that means, whether um, it's physical rest, psychological rest. I, do, I don't know, um, but it's it's possible that we could have done with her dynamism. Do you want to talk about the red card? It's a pity it happened so late in the match. Not like it would card. have been great if we'd had half an hour. I don't know. I don't know what the ref saw. Like second yellow. I don't know how that's a yellow. There've been worse mistakes made. I'm I'm quite happy to take that. Like it, it looked like a foul to me. Um, and I actually wonder whether the ref pulled out the yellow card before she realised she'd already given a yellow card. She pulled out the yellow card and then she, like, there was like a, this short, I don't, I don't know, this this gap of time before she went, oh, and then pulled out her, because usually if they know, they pull out the yellow and the red, like, sh sh right away. But look, um, it is what it is. It's it's not the worst call, uh, probably of the worst mistake of the, the weekend. It's just a pity that we didn't manage to take advantage. Yeah. 
Yeah, so for those of you listening along or watching along, if you didn't see the game, it was a, a Melbourne City player who ended up with two yellow cards and sent off. As Holly has alluded to, it wasn't the worst refereeing decision of the weekend across the A-League. There were some real howlers, and that was not the worst of them. But we won't go into that because that's, that's a whole documentary series um, in itself. So let's have a little chat about how our exes are doing. And there's one in particular who we're just and you know again we have to if we don't mention her it's not a flight of the next podcast and that is our friend izzy gomez up there at central coast mariners who got her first goal and it was an absolute cracker wow it was awesome she's missed a lot to get to that point though like uh there, there have been some <laughs> That were like wildly off target. That oh, look, I mean, and she's a defensive mid. They don't score a lot of goals, right? Like it's not it's not a position that's expected to score a lot of goals. But um, when they played Perth, she had like the last touch of the game, and it was a shot, and it was yeah, wildly off target. So look, she's not a goal scorer, but like to actually finally get a goal was um, awesome to see. Really awesome. Good on her. Does anyone want to describe the goal? Yeah. I, I so the ball it, 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 was, I, I remember correctly, yeah. if I remember correctly, the ball was bouncing around in the goal area and then it exited and came back out into the field and Gomez caught it on her chest. It dropped to the ground. She's about two or three meters out from the goal, the goal area, and she unfills a rocket. Uh, well, maybe not a rocket, but for the purpose of this podcast, it was an absolute spectacular goal. Like, it was beauty. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> Any other exes we want to talk about? And then, so, well, big news came out today, didn't it? That was it, it was today, the big news came out. Alex, did you see the news? Yeah, Millie Clegg to, what is it, Louis, Louisville? Well, it's Racing Louisville, but if you're cool, Racing you call Louis. it Racing Louisville. Racing. You don't call <laughs> it Racing. So uh, Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby. Um, they have a beautiful uh, stadium. Um, they, they came into the league about four years ago. Um, really nice branding. I love their colors. It's like this lavender um and this kind of soft green color they um they've always been the nwsl is just like a kind of like this year in the a league a lot of parody um and they um yeah let's make a long story short but they they they're they're a good club they're not a great club yet they haven't they, they did accomplish i love that they they beat Bayern once um, in this tournament tournament um it was like tournament of nations but they, they've done some cool things they've beaten some big european clubs but it's a it's a quality club in the nwsl um i believe they're affiliated with a men's team which is not always the case in the nwsl and um she's going to be there with some really good players let's see carson pickett abby ursek um, who's a you know um unit um jess mcdonald who 
would have played against her last year in the A League. Um, there's just a there's just a lot of people on that team that she can really really learn from, and I was like blown away that it was a three year contract. Those aren't easy to get in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. That was really really shocking. Mm-hmm. I would love to know the story of how she how she got in front of them. It's definitely a step up from Wanderers uh, by a long shot. Um, by a really long shot, uh, the, the, you know, the Wanderers woman side is apparently not very well run. So um, that's super exciting for her to get that. She's the first sort of upcoming next player who's moved on to a big league. So that's hopefully the first of mm. many, 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 many. Yeah. I notice, um, well, I actually just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think her with Abby Ersek is going to be a good combination because Millie Clegg, you know, she's, she's tall. She's not a shorty. She's, she's, she's tall, but she needs to like really get stronger. And, um, I think Ersek's is it, she's not a wimp or anything like she, she's got some strength, but I think Ersek, like I said, total unit, total beast. She's in the weight room. She is a bodybuilder. Um, these things do prevent injuries. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the pair of them. Katie Bowen used to play with Abby Ursic at North Carolina. I think they were a good combo there. Um, it's, it's just nice to see more Kiwis abroad, like um, in, 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 in bigger leagues, just like Holly said. I mean, it's nice to see the babies grow. I, I wonder how, do you do does anyone know anything about her injury? Was it a hamstring tear originally? But then she mentioned a second injury on top of that. So um, when she said she was leaving, I thought, oh, maybe she's just, you know, going home to recover if her season's over. Mm. So I was a little bit surprised mm. to see she'd re-signed with another club. Um, but one of the things that's exciting about that move is, so there's a lot of Australian players who have moved particularly to the WSL. They're huge, huge, like uh, Arsenal, Chelsea ones. Like there are tons of them. Um, in fact, they're starting to call Arsenal women, Os- I got made Arsenal, like as an Australian Arsenal. I, it's so hopefully that that um, the the attention to the league is going to pay off for New Zealand um, nationality players as well. So um, an int- another interesting point, Chids. So Alec, um, Alex Chidiak went over and played with Ra- Racing last year on on loan, and she actually ended up playing played eight um, eight matches. So you know the, 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 they're not a team that's just going to take anyone. You know, like if Chidiak's being brought in on loan, or you know during the off season, you know Clegg's gone in. They've got a strong side. Are, looking through their last year's roster, a really nice wide range of ages. So it'll be a fantastic um, nest for Clegg to, you know, yeah, as a fledgling play- player, she can develop she'll be her playing wings. With, absolutely, yeah, she'll I be playing. Hope- go, go for it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone keeps cutting you off. I just hope she gets some playing time. You know, it's it's the worst thing to see young players go overseas and just not getting any play, playing time, you know, right in the reserves or on the bench. And, you know, with a three-year contract, it is a dangerous contract, you know, from the perspective of, of Racing. Um, you don't want to hire, you don't want to hire Millie Clegg and then her just completely flop. So they must see something in her. They must have, you know, good determination. It's a football manager stat. I've been playing a lot of football manager recently. 
um, they they must think she's going to develop in a good way. Because if if she's there for three years and completely flops, then that's dangerous for them. What do you think is Clegg's natural position? I mean, she likes to play striker. That's why she left the Phoenix and went to the Wanderers, I hear, because they were going to play a striker, and she didn't actually get to play at all. But um, I guess I guess striker, like she must feel strongly about striker. She she must have her reasons. They had Katlana um, of South Africa as a, a major striker. Um, don't know if Jess McDonald's coming back because um, she just had a baby. Um, they they just grabbed Taylor Corniak, um, who plays a little bit more in the midfield, but she's she, yeah they're they're stacked with midfielders. They have Savannah Demello, also a midfielder. Um, but they, you know when I'm looking at the roster, um, no they, they they don't have a lot of of quality forwards so. I mean, hopefully they can develop her. I mean, I when I spoke to Millie last year, you know, she was kind of interested in the U.S. university system, but I, I think that went away when in, when she took a professional contract. So, you know, she, mm-hmm. it looks like she really wanted to get to the United States and found a way. Um, yeah, stack with midfielders, but not a lot of forwards. So maybe that is a good place to go and she can get some tests. It's also an Olympic year. And um, that means a lot of the NWSL will be depleted of its stars. And that also is a good time to get playing time. Millie will be, if we qualify, Millie will be with the Ferns. So. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. That, that <laughs> one, um, that, I mean, that's assuming we qualify. Um but uh, yeah, so that that won't help. But yeah, hopefully she gets game time. Uh, you need you need game time to improve. Is our, but... so just um... is our pass? Oh, okay. Sorry, going. just <laughs> just going back to what you were saying, Denise. Like, if we look at Millie now at the age of what nineteen, and if we compare, and this is not being judgmental, but her body, her physical body composition versus. The physical body composition of some of the of the Fords and the strikers that we see in the NWSL, it's going to take her. I think it'll take her a couple of years to to get just to increase her mass and to get a bit more muscle and strength. So perhaps she might be, you know, maybe a little bit more sitting out on the wing rather than playing like that dead set up front striker role for now. It is a, just like the A-League though, it is a physical game, but it's also a fast game in the NWSL. A lot of Europeans say it's like a Champions League game every week. It's um, it's fast, it's intense. Um, so, I mean, she's going to be thrown into the fire and, and, and learn a lot at the very least in the practices. And let's hope she gets game time. I mean, I would love to see her, you know, prove herself and just improve rapidly. She's only 19. And um, that's very young um, for the NWSL since a lot of them come out at a lot of the rookies are 21, 22. So our next match is against cool. uh, Canberra. How do we think we can go there? Last time we played Canberra in Wellington, we won 5-0. Um, 
which may be an outlier. I'd say it's going to be a goal fest because Michelle Heyman is there. Canberra score lots of goals and concede lots of goals. Um, I will be like frustrated if we don't find a way to win this game. I mean, the frustration would be very, very high <laughs> if we don't find a way to win this match. Um, it's it's going to be um, at the smaller location. So, you know, hopefully we'll have some fans around. Yeah, I think this is going to be kind of like the last straw if we don't win. Um, we've been historically good at home this season. You know, at Porirua Park, Porirua Park has, has served us well. Um, but then we started off the season, you know, we had good away form, uh, 3-0 to Wanderers, that was a good game. And then recently we just have completely shut the bed away from home. Um, how many is it? Four in a row? Five in a row? Losses. Um, it's good coming back to home. Um, it'll, you know, try hopefully get the confidence up. But we do have to find a way to win away from home. I don't know. How many home games we have left in the season? It's not that many, like maybe three or four. Holly's saying four. So without those without those home games, we don't... Or if we only win those home games, that won't be enough. We've got to start. We've got to be better away from home. Cool. And on that cheery note, let's move away from the women's team. <laughs> You know, we're going to be cheering them on this weekend. Um, you know, wishing them all the best. But the on the other side of the of the A League, the Phoenix men are having an absolute blinder of a season. Top of the league, they're up in first position. We the you know teams one and two played each other on Friday night, and it ended up being a very hard fought one one draw. Um, and it was quite a game, and it had certainly had its moments. We had Tim Payne with a red card. We had a, a wind, um, Alex Rufer with the penalty. Um, it, the, the match had absolutely everything in it. You couldn't have asked for much more in a, in a, in a game of football. How did you see it, Holly? Oh, I mean, it's one of those, it's, it's a little bit like the Wanderers game where uh, we scored those two goals in uh, injury time. And so to get that uh, Rufa penalty in, I believe, injury time, we've, we've had a few late shows, late, late shows. Um, but I'm, I'm very stoked, especially with 10 men, to have received a result. Out of that, um, it's kind of funny to compare it to the result that we had when we played them earlier in the season, which was the infamous one-all draw where we didn't have a single shot. And uh, we're actually going to get Friday Night Lights uh, victory at the Wellington Phoenix uh, Sky Stadium again in April, I believe. So we're actually playing them three times this regular season. Another 1-1 one, one draw, that one? <laughs> Alex, same. did you go to the game, or did you, or did you watch it from the comfort of home? Yes. No, I went to the game. I flew down just the morning of the game, pretty much for that game and for some other stuff. Six forty-five a.m. flight, so that's a bit difficult to get up for. But you know, it was definitely worth it. Nine thousand, a bit over nine thousand, packing out Sky Stadium. It was the best atmosphere I've seen there in a long time, probably since we got back from COVID. 
and it, like yellow fever was completely pumping. So what's working? What's working for the men's team? What do we what do we need to keep doing? What do, what do you think? I think it's just the small things. You know, last season, we, whenever we would score first and then would concede two and lose two nil, pretty much most games. Like I still get nightmares from that happening every time I see us score first. I think, oh no, we're gonna concede two, and completely give the game up. But this this season we actually score first and then I'm sorry, concede first and then come back. So I think it's kind of like the, you know, we let, they let the fans down when they concede the first goal and then they come back really, they come back great afterwards, you know, talking about the crowd, the entertainment of the game. If we scored first and then conceded a 90th minute penalty to draw the game 1-1, I think the atmosphere leaving the stadium would be much, much worse. But then once you salvage a point at the end of the game to second place Melbourne victory, that's that's what gets the crowd going and that is what encourages you know encourages the team and the fans the rest of the season especially against such a high quality team there's so much belief i feel like um you know from the team and also increasingly i think there's belief for the fans who you know we're always a little bit cynical because things often don't work out and, and some people let that sort of um, spiral down into actual like conspiracy theories that they don't want the Knicks to win the league. Um, it's, it's good to see. Uh, I hope we can sustain it. I feel like we're still, um, we might still be outperforming our XGs each way. Um, let's see, we've got Mariners. No, sorry, Jets. Jets on Saturday. We lost to them last time we played. Uh, hopefully we can get the win this time. We really need to. We, we're even on points with victory. Like at some point, some one of these teams is going to have to wind up giving up points, and it's going to be even though we're only halfway through the season, it's it's a, it's a struggle to catch because both teams are really on fire. One of the um, things that I'm particularly liking is the fact that we've got every position has quality in it. Like we don't have, uh, it's not like we've got a really fantastic midfield and we're not so great at the back or, yeah, we're really great in this area and not so much there. We, it's kind of like the whole team, ha- as you say, Holly, has that belief and we're just solid across every position from one through to 11. Um, and then, the, you know, even, you know, the players coming off the bench, Chief and, and, and the team, can they have trust in the, in the subs that are coming on. And it, uh, yeah, when you've, when you've got that chemistry happening, wins are going to come. So that was, so we've got, that was a 1-1 draw, Phoenix top of the league. There was a, a, a little bit of an unfortunate incident after the match um, with some silly behaviour. And we pick. I'm picking at it. I don't think they were probably the usuals who turn up to a Phoenix football match, behaving with their type of behaviour, which was to go over and stir up the victory. Uh, oh, um, and to no, sorry, City, um, Melbourne, and you know, kind of get into a bit of argy bargy. That's not uh, the expected behaviour or the way that you know Phoenix supporters. Um, yeah, the, the 99% of, of Phoenix supporters would behave. So for those clowns who turned up and did that, like, just don't come back. 
please just like stay away. Go and go and watch the game at the pub, or go and just bugger off and go do something else. Yeah, you because know, it's not needed. Yeah, you know, we're top of the league. Everything's going fantastic. We don't need little little things like that spoiling the match. So, yeah. Um, any final thoughts, Alex, Holly? So we see Tim Payne has been yeah, given a two-match ban for his uh, his red card. He was originally given a yellow. Um, I can see why it was upgraded to red. I can see why it's been given two, but he's been on fire this season, so I think it's unfortunate that we're going to lose him for two games. So that's our Jets and then whatever the follow-up game is for that. Yep, I... You know, if I was, if I was in charge of the, um, you know, deciding how long players get banned, I obviously wouldn't. I'd be very biased, but um, I, I'd probably only give one one match for this one. I think, I think in the past they've been a bit harsh on the Knicks, but you know, two is fine. If I if I was a club, I wouldn't I wouldn't appeal that. So they when they mentioned it. Uh, when they did the, the social media posts and whatnot, they said that upon reviewing all available camera angles or footage or something like that, makes me think that maybe they saw different angles to what we saw necessarily on the broadcast and that um, upon reviewing those, they decided that they, they weren't going to have grounds for an appeal. So um, obviously they've considered it. You just got to be careful. This is the thing. Sometimes people just... talk about uh, cards and intent, right? They they talk about intent, and um, but it's not intent. I mean, intent is part of it, like violent conduct. But like, you've just got to be controlled. Yeah, I, I don't think that that available camera angles is anything special. You know, they got those angles in VAR, and we probably would have seen them on broadcast if they showed them. Um, I think that's just a copy cut copy and paste, you know, response that they, they have hidden in the archives. It was interesting. I was I watched the game from home and I was on Twitter and, and you know, having a bit of banter backwards and forwards with a couple of people about VAR. And at one point, VAR went for us and then it went against us and then it went for us again. So it's kind of that whole love-hate relationship with VAR. But as I said to someone, like, when, when it gets to the point where the referee is going over to have a look at the screen not you can pretty much most times whatever's been decided will get overturned it'll go the other way so but hey that's football it was a 1-1 draw we'll take it um we'll keep moving on and um up the knicks up the fucking knicks. so thanks for watching or if you're listening we we really appreciate it like if you want to listen to a you know, they keep coming back and listening to us talking about football. We, yeah, we enjoy doing it, and hopefully, you enjoy listening to us. Um, feel free to like and subscribe. We do have some um, newer content coming out. We've got some guests coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, so we're excited to get them on the on the podcast. So keep an eye out, and um, up the next, we'll.